Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Lord Church. act to follow up <laughs> with God moving like this. But, uh, uh, at first, I just want to give honor to my parents. Yes, get your pictures out of the way. My first time. <laughs> uh, I just want to give honor to my, my pastor and pastor's wife for them allowing me to uh, be up here and preach my sermon on Father's Day. Um, I'd also like to honor my wife for always being a blessing to me and for making it possible for me to get a present today. And I guess I have to thank Mars, too. <laughs> um, but today I would like to pose a question to you all. You don't have to shout it out, but just want you to, to think about it. Um, what is... One time that you've done something really cool and your father was really proud of you for it. I have one specific memory that uh, I think about. I just, I just remembered the other day when I was preparing for my message. But uh, Now, <laughs> in this memory, I don't, I don't claim to be good at sports in general. But I'm, I'm fairly decent. Like, I know how to play the game, basically. But uh, um, as you may, you may not have known this, but I played varsity soccer in high school. It was only for 10 seconds, but still. <laughs> Thank you, Mars. I always say I don't excel at any one thing, but I'm adequate at many things. But this one time... Um, I'll have to give you some context first because it's kind of a story. But uh, we were at Louisiana camp. I don't know if we were there for because of the times or if it was because of Titus graduating from PLA Southern. But uh, me and my dad had some free time, and we didn't actually know what to do. So we decided to, we found a basketball on the campground. So we decided to play basketball at the basketball court. And while we were shooting around, these kids. These two kids came up to us from nowhere. We weren't there during, during camp or anything. They just appeared and came up to us and asked us if we wanted to play basketball against them. And since we had nothing better to do and we were trying to fill time, we're like, sure, whatever. We're not good, but it's fine. They're probably not good either. So we, uh, uh, they weren't great, and neither were we. And I think... To demonstrate this, I might need some help, so Paul, if you could come up here and help me. If you uh, stand right in front over here. I'll come down. So it was our turn with the ball, and I don't want to... Like my only time I can ever cross Paul. But, (laughs) so just face me. Act like you're guarding me. 
So I did one of these where I like stepped to the side and I threw the basketball over my head and he fell and I laid it up. And it was amazing. All right, you're good. I, <laughs> I had never done that before. I'm not good at basketball, but I just had this one, I just had this one singular move that I had learned from a video game. <laughs> and my dad was super happy. He, yeah. <laughs> they were just a bunch of redneck kids, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I was, I was really happy because my dad was so proud of me because <laughs> he didn't know I had it in me. But I'd been playing video games for so long that I had practiced a thing or two in NBA Street. <laughs> it's not even actually a real move. But um, uh, I'm not clever enough to come up with like a move like that on my own because... <laughs> I'm not good at basketball, but that one move was enough to make him proud of me, and I was really happy. But if pleasing our earthly father is that rewarding for doing something so insignificant to the bigger picture of our life, think of how much, re- how much more rewarding it is to please our heavenly father by doing his works. In Matthew, we learn about the sermon that Jesus gave on the mountain, and uh, most of you can quote it. In uh, Matthew chapter six, it's one of one of the first scriptures that I learned to memorize as a child. Um, but in the scripture, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And I, um, in Matthew six nine, it says, "After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And I think, just from these five verses, that this is how we can be pleasing to our God. Um by letting his will be done, putting God at the center of our choices every single day. Any choice that we have that may be a little bit difficult, putting him, asking for God's wisdom in making those decisions. Turning to God when we don't know which path to choose. There's a lot of times when you can choose to go down one path that is what you want to do, and then there's another path that God wants you to do. And I've gone through that myself, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, trying to figure out what job I want. And God said no, and he shut those doors. But if I would have just turned to God first, I would have known. And that could have been God's will all along, because I learned a lot from going through uh, college and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Letting his will be done and not my own. We're going to make wrong decisions, but God never does. And we need to let him sustain us spiritually. Not only do we need to read his word, but to be open to receive it willingly. You can read words on a page, and they'll mean nothing to you, but if you 
put it in your heart and then and you let God speak to you through the words. It's going to mean a lot more. What better place to find out how to be pleasing to God but in his own word? And we need to forgive others as he has forgiven us. If we are to truly be like Christ, we must forgive others of their wrongdoings. What do we have to gain from holding on to contempt for our brothers and sister in Christ? Disunity. If someone has wronged you, they don't care, and they don't care for forgiveness, forgive them anyway, because that's what Jesus would have done. And it's not worth it to hold on to that anger. Holding on to your anger can only lead you down the wrong path. And uh, to quote Yoda, I'm not going to do the voice, but (laughs) anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And you know where that leads, the dark side. (laughs) And we also need to stray away from temptation. We need to not dwell on the impure thoughts that the devil may throw our way. As soon as we consider temptation, it becomes a sin. This, this is why it's important to pray on the armor of God every single day. Just as Sister Burke tells us, every, almost every uh, prayer service before church, we need to pray on the armor of God every single morning. And that is to protect our minds and strengthen our resolve in the face of temptation. And through that, God will deliver us from evil. There's many ways to please God, and I'm almost done with my portion of the service. I know it's short, but this is just what God's given me. Um, all, of, all of the ways to be pleasing to God are in his word. All of the ones I've talked about are only in a span of five verses out of thousands. There are so many ways to be pleasing to God. But the way I think is most important for us to be pleasing to our Father is to be like Christ. We call ourselves Christians all the time. And not a lot of us, are not all of in here, but... <laughs> Not a lot of people actually act like Christ or even know what Christ would have done in any situation. But being a Christian isn't a title we give ourselves, but a mentality that we take on every single day. I think it was um, Brother Hernandez said that um, calling ourselves a Christian isn't what we're supposed to do. Calling, or being called a Christian is more like a compliment. If you want to figure out how, to, how you should handle a situation, isolate yourself and pray about it. Or, or even look up scriptures about the life of Jesus to try to figure it out from there. Because there are so many references in the Bible. Every time I open my Bible, I just I find something new, even if I've read the scripture a hundred times. I always find something new in his word. And what is it to be Christian if not to be Christ-like? And what is it to be Christ-like if not to be more pleasing to our Heavenly Father? So today I'm going to 
urge you to have that mindset every single day. What can I do to please you, Lord, today? And when you listen to his voice and act on his command, think of our God with a proud look on his face, just as an earthly father would if you do a video game move on the basketball court. <laughs> That's all God wants from us, just to do the will and or do his will and to reach his people. If we do that, we will know that we are pleasing to the Father. I'm proud of Micah for a lot of things, even more than just basketball moves. But I was pretty impressed. We were hitting baskets that I was thinking, how in the world are they going in? But we're making, we schooled those boys. But I, I'm proud of Micah. And Micah, you have a wonderful family that loves God. And that means more than anything else. Amen. We love you. Love God you. bless. <laughs> Praise God. Brother Ayers, we want you to come and uh, speak to this congregation today. God bless Brother Ayers. Amen. And everybody moans because it's going to be 45 minutes. <laughs> no, I promise it's not going to be 45 minutes. Maybe an hour, but not 45 minutes. No, no. No, we've got stuff to do today, so I'm not going to stand you in your way. Praise God. Um, as I thought about uh, Father's Day, um, I, I'm not standing here before you today, the man that I am, by accident. Um, there were things that God set in motion that affected my life. And I'm here, the person that I am today, because of that. There are no accidents in your life. If you allow God, he has a purpose and a plan fixed for you, just as he has for me. And let me tell you, the plan that God has is wonderful. It is great. It's not always painless. Sometimes there's hurt involved. But in the end, it's really good. It's really good. And, and just to start off with today, I, I just want to share with you a little bit of my background to let you know why I'm here today, in great part, the man that I am. I really consider myself to have been raised by good parents. Um, I think, hopefully, most of us here think that way. Not, not everybody, because not everybody has good parents. I understand that. But I was very fortunate, blessed by God, actually, to have good parents. I have two wonderful sisters who I love dearly. And the three of us were brought up in a home where our parents were uh, constantly working hard to provide for us. And for all their efforts, 
we were still poor. How many can relate to that? <laughs> that just seemed to be the way it was. You just grew up kind of poor. But my, my parents were magicians because they were able to convince us that we weren't poor. We had a roof over our heads and my mom kept impeccably clean. You could eat off her floors. I mean, and that's no lie. I'm serious. She was a clean freak almost. She kept her house as tidy as it could be. So we had a roof over our heads and, and a clean house to, to, to live in. And my dad saw to it that we had clothes to wear and we had, uh, we had all the necessities to, to eat. And uh, as I grew up a little bit, that became harder and harder for my dad. I remember in one of my growing spurts, I could eat five hamburgers. And I'm not talking about like McDonald's size. I'm talking about my mom's size hamburgers. <laughs> she could fix some hamburgers, let me tell you. And they were Big Macs. They were the, the Whoppers. They were the big ones. And I could eat five of those things and come back 30 minutes later raiding the refrigerator because I was hungry. So it was a job for my dad just to keep food on the table, to, to feed me. But somehow, uh, in all of this, they kept us fed and clothed and, and loving one another. And we just grew up knowing that our parents were willing to make sacrifices for our benefit. That's a good home. That's a good home. If you've got that, you've got a lot got a lot and for most of those years as we were growing up it was a common practice for us as a family we would we would at least attend Sunday school somewhere and so as kids we got a good introduction what worshiping God was all about which was a good thing and I would I would advise anyone to do that expose your kids to God as soon as you can because they're going to be exposed to a lot of bad things in life. Get them started off right. Expose them to what's really good. Things that they really need to know. And that was a blessing to me and to my sisters. Uh, then, of course, as it always happens, kids begin to grow up and they hit those teenage years. And that was no different for me. And during those turbulent times, those teenage years, uh, they just messed our lives up. Because during that period of time, we managed to slip away from our God time. Easy to do. Especially when you're a teenager and you're struggling with everything that's going on around you and you're trying to make decisions. You don't fit anywhere. You're not a kid anymore and you're not an adult. Where do you fit? You're trying to figure out who you are. It was, a, it was a tough time. But I'm very thankful for a dad who kept on praying for us because at last after several years of his prayers, God heard it and answered. He answered. My sisters were the first ones to respond to God's calling to them. And I can remember them coming home and they would have had a great church service and then they would come and I was downstairs in my room. That was, I usually had the basement or the back, back porch. That was my bedroom. And, uh, but they'd come down to my bedroom, the tears streaming down their face, asking me, don't you know God loves you? 
I just want you to know that. And they didn't know how much that hit me. So now they got my dad and my sisters are both praying on me. So there was really no hope. And at last the dam broke and God became very real to me. And I'm so thankful that God kept knocking. Kept knocking on my door, my heart. And I thank God that at last I opened that door that I had held shut to him for so long. The greatest decision I've ever made in my life. And then in the, the month of May, it was in the year that I celebrated my 20th birthday. My father was unexpectedly called home to be with the Lord. And I got to tell you, that crushed me. I'd only been filled with the Holy Ghost for two years prior to this loss that I was now suffering in my life. And it had been during that time in those two years that I had really begun to appreciate my dad for being the great dad that he was. I didn't really appreciate that before as much as I did when God opened my eyes to some things. I found my dad to have proven himself to be a man of prayer. He was a man of faith whose focus was on God. He, he talked the Bible with me and we, we would share uh, things that God would speak to us and we would share uh, the experiences that God was leading us into and it was just a great time of learning and, and growing deeper and closer together. So you can imagine how devastating it was for me to have that suddenly taken away from me. And honestly, it could have destroyed me. But God. God had already made preparations for me that I wasn't even aware of. My precious pastor at that time was Daryl Sheets. Another man of prayer and another man of faith. God worked through him to reach me. This, this man who worked a full-time job and was pastoring a church and was trying to raise a large family somehow his heart was big enough to include a kid who had lost his way, lost his dad, lost so much. He reached out. He stepped up to help fill that empty void that my dad's death had left in me. He devoted time to talk the Bible with me. He loved talking the Bible with anybody that listened, but he took time to talk it with me. He shared things with me. Inspired me. He prayed with me. He prayed for me. And he showed me love when I had come to need it the most. He made me feel 
as though I was just another one of his sons. He really did. He was like dad. He even allowed me to marry one of his daughters. And let me tell you, she has shown herself to be a follower in the footsteps of her dad's commitment to God. She's a tribute to him. A few years later on, my, my precious mother, who had finally received the Holy Ghost just some months after the passing of my father, she was blessed by God herself to find another great man to love and to marry. And here was God at work once again providing me with yet another incredible example of what it means to be the right kind of a father. There's not a more precious man on the face of this earth than my, than my stepdad. And he is just like a father to me. He stepped right in and filled that gap again. Today you're looking at the most blessed man in the world, or at least that's the way I feel. Because God didn't take my father away from me. Instead, he provided a way for me to have been instructed by three great fathers on how to be a father, the right kind of a father for his children. If you'll just give me a few more minutes, I, I just want to share a few of some of the points that I learned from them that have made a great impact on, on my life. They taught me that fathers, the right kind of fathers, are willing to sacrifice whatever is needed in order to help their children not just to live, but to thrive in life. You don't just want them to live, you want them to thrive. And there are going to be times, they taught me, when fathers won't agree with the choices that their children make. If you haven't come across that yet, you will. There are going to be times when they do things we don't like. And in those situations, when the children are still at home under, under our care, fathers, we must try to provide correction and guidance to the erring ones, all for their future well-being in life. They may hate you for it at the time. They may really not like you at all. But it's not about what's going on right then. It's about what you're saving them from in the future. Put up with it now. Take the abuse now. Knowing that you're making a difference in their future. And you're making it the right way. And then for fathers, once our children have grown to become adults, we may still not agree with their decisions and choices at times. And yet, the right kind of father is of such a heart that he doesn't allow those things to stand between his children and his love for them. You've still got to love them. Fathers will love their children from the first time that they saw them. As they entered this world and the father's life, 
until that specter of death comes to separate them in this life. His vow is as long as he lives, his children will be loved. Fathers will pray for their children and lead them into having a desire to know God. His hope is always that they might come to love God as he has come to do. I learned from these great men that making the right choice isn't always easy. In fact, there will be times when it can require a great deal of us. But if we dare to go ahead, and if we dare to make the right choice, we will discover the benefits and the blessings that come back to us will far outweigh the sacrifice. I learned from them that it's always right to trust your faith. No matter how long it may take for that faith to produce the results that we're needing because faith will always work when it's placed in God. And I honor these men who have been in my life and I thank them for the legacy that they have imparted to me. So grateful to have had such a blessing in my life. And it has led me to hear. To hear. But I feel that this would be incomplete if I didn't add, of course, one more point that they would want to make. Finally, I learned from them that we may be blessed by having had the right kind of father to help raise us here in this life. But if you didn't get that luxury, if you weren't blessed that way, hang on. I've got good news for you. Because you see, you have another father. We've already talked about him today. A greater father who far surpasses what the best earthly father will ever be able to be and to do for us. And we can, in fact, hear about it in the scripture in one such place out of the thousands is in Matthew chapter 7. Just one more chapter over from you. Great minds. Praise God. Matthew chapter 7, I want to read verses 9 through 11. Verse 9 reads, Or what is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil, know to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? I want us to notice that word, evil. Evil. 
That's a pretty strong word. That's a pretty harsh word for Jesus to be using when he's talking about earthly fathers. That word that's used here, translated as evil, is the Greek word ponairos. And that word has the basic meaning of being hurtful in the way that someone affects or influences others. Being hurtful in the way we affect or influence others. And so the issue that would seem to be presented to us here in these verses is this. Jesus is telling us that while you, talking about these fathers, these earthly fathers, while you are in your undone condition, because he's talking to people who aren't saved yet, while you, in your undone condition, and this undone condition causes others to be hurt, you inadvertently will lead others to be affected or influenced in some negative way. Because it's your nature. And yet even in that tragic state, that state where you just have to influence others in negative ways, even while you're in that tragic state of being undone, you still manage to have enough decency and good sense to at least provide your children with what they need in order to survive. You at the very least have that much goodness left in you where you will at least provide something, the very needs that your kids have. And then Jesus makes a comparison. He says in stark contrast to the way that you manage to care for your children, being in your broken condition, just how much better would that treatment be which you could expect to receive from your perfect heavenly father your heavenly father's love for you has no equal he's intent upon providing you with that which is actually good and beneficial to you and to your life that's what God is all about the things that make your life better the ways to increase your life in better conditions, in better situations. That's God. That's God. He will provide those things which you are going, which are going to assist you in your being influenced in every possible good and productive way. That's God. That's what Jesus is telling us. Hold on if you don't have a real good dad, he's saying, on the earth. Because you've got another father who is far greater and far better than you can even imagine in your mind. And that's more important. That's more important. Now I want us to turn to, to Malachi, the book of Malachi. Chapter number three. And I just want to read verses seven through ten. Malachi chapter three, 
verses 7 through 10. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That is the heart of God. Did you know that that right there is what pleases God? Do you want to please God? Then let him bless you. He doesn't get any greater satisfaction. There's nothing that pleases him anymore than being able to bless his kids. Some of you don't believe that. But it's the truth nonetheless. It is the truth. That is the heart of God. That's what pleases him more than anything else. That's what God would want from us. Can you imagine what could happen to us today in this service if we were to determine in our hearts to give God the Father's Day gift that he has always wanted from us? Just give him ourselves? It'd be a day unprecedented. A day in which God, our Heavenly Father, would finally be able to lavish his great gifts and his abundant blessings upon every one of us. You know, we can do all the do's. We can stay away from all the don'ts. And still not give God the great pleasure that he wants. Because if we refuse his blessings, that is unpleasing to God. And we can refuse those things that God wants to do in our lives and not even realize it. As I was thinking about this, the Lord kind of gave me a picture of sometimes when we come into church service and God is wanting to bless like he always does every time. And we come in with our rubber boots on. We've got our rain gear on and we've got our umbrellas. And we come in and we sit in the service and God's pouring out the blessings and nothing even splashes on us. We're here. We've done the do's. We stayed away from the don'ts. But we've got our rain suits on. What would happen if we tossed the umbrellas? Kicked our boots off. 
and took the raincoat off and just let him pour it out and soak us to the skin the way he wants to. Because that's the God I know. That's the Father that I know. And that's the Father that I love. That's the Father that He wants to be to you. Every one of us here today, not just one or two, every one of us here, let's please Him. Let's let Him bless us. Let's make it impossible for Him not to do that. Hallelujah. Every time we come, make sure we're geared up to just be soaked. Soaked. Because he will pour it out. In such abundance that we cannot contain it. We can't, we don't have big enough room in our hearts to store it. It just comes in and floods us and it'll go out. And bless others. And flood others. That's what pleases God. Let's determine to do that. What do you say? Hallelujah. Let's just thank God right now. For wanting to bless us. And if you're having trouble receiving it, ask God to help you. Receive his blessings right now in Jesus' name. Oh, God, you have come with an anxious heart today. With a hunger, God, that's beyond us to understand. How much you desire to pour out good things, God, today on every one of us. You would follow us around all day and pour them out, God. We would step on blessings, God, because the overflow would be so great we couldn't even stand. They would deluge us, God, your goodness and your mercies and your grace and your kindness and your blessings, God. They would bless us in countless ways. They would enrich our lives, God, in such degree it would blow our minds. We can't even begin to understand how great that is. Oh, God, today, help us, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us to understand how much you long to bless us. And help us today to open, us, open ourselves up to that possibility, Jesus. To accept the fact that you've come to bless us today. We're not worthy. Never will be. But that doesn't stop you from wanting to do it. You're here to do it, God, because it's your heart. It's what you want to do. Oh, God. Help us today, Jesus, to let you do just that. In your name we pray, Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah.